Hey everybody, this is Keith Loy. I'm the founding senior pastor of Celebrate Church in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and this is our podcast. I just want to say thank you for joining us, and it is my prayer that this week's message will truly encourage you. Enjoy. If you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to go to the book of James, chapter 4. The book of James, chapter 4. We're just going to look at two verses, but we're going to talk about a subject that uh, can be quite sensitive. We're going to talk about judging other people. And it's a simple message that I've entitled, Do Not Judge. But I got to tell you, a lot of people do, don't they? A lot of people do this. Listen to what Warren Wiersbe says. He says, we are not called to be judges. God is the only judge. Now, we know that to be true, but there's a reason we're going to talk about it because any time that we judge, listen to this very carefully, any time that we judge, and I contend it happens more than people want to admit, but any time we judge, we're actually trying to do what only God can do. And if I could just be clear, really what we're doing is we're trying to be God. And as a dangerous place to be. So if you got your Bibles, James chapter 4, just looking at two verses beginning in the 11th verse. Here's what it says. Do not speak evil against each other. But then he adds these words, dear brothers and sisters. So he's talking about family here. He's talking about intimacy. If you criticize and judge each other, then you are criticizing and judging God's law. But your job is to obey the law, not to judge whether it applies to you. My goodness, those are amazing words, aren't they? Let me read them again. But your job is to obey the law, not to judge whether it applies to you. God alone who gave the law is the judge. He alone has the power to save or to destroy. So what right do you have to judge your neighbor? What right do you have? If you've got a place to write some things down, I want to quickly talk about three reasons why we should not judge. Based on what James just said, we're going to talk about first why we should not judge. Well, first of all, it's unchristlike. That's what James says in verse 11. Dear brothers and sisters, notice the family. Notice the relationship here. Do not speak evil against each other. Did you know the word translated here? Because in the original language, it's the word slander. This is going to surprise you. You might want to write this down. In the original translation, the word slander is the same word it's used for devil. Did you know that? So in other words, when you and I are judging another person, we're slandering another person, we're speaking evil of another person, we're being critical of another person, we're being the devil. Think about that. And what is the job of the devil? But to seek, to destroy, to divide. And any time that we're being critical of another brother or sister, we're actually partnering with the devil. We're doing his wow. work for him. That's why it's unchristlike. Here's the second reason. It's unloving. It's unloving. Verse 11 says, if you criticize and judge each other, then you are criticizing and judging God's law. Our job is to obey the law, not to judge whether it applies to you. That's what we just read. Well, listen to this very carefully. If you look at James chapter 2, it's not only the law of God, it's called the royal law 
of God. Let me read to you what we read uh, several weeks ago from James chapter 2. It is good when you obey the royal law as found in Scripture. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's what love does. Love doesn't criticize. Love doesn't go looking for the wrong that someone does. Love doesn't go judging another person. It's just unloving. And let me just give you a little rule of thumb because it's important that you always remember this. The ground is always level at the foot of the cross. That's the starting point for all of us, isn't it? By the way, it's also the ending point, okay? Right. right. And so it's unloving, but here's number three. It's unjustified. It's not just unchristlike. It's not just unloving. It's unjustified. Verse 12 says, God alone who gave the law is the judge. God alone is it. You know, George Barton, he's a professor at Oxford University. He says this, when you and I judge, it demonstrates a complete disregard for God's law. For you are passing judgment on its legitimacy. He goes on to say this, by doing this, by judging others, you are actually putting yourself above God. When you judge, you are clearly failing to submit to God. That's why I think we need to pray as David uh, prayed in, in the Psalms. He says, it is God alone who judges. And may I never forget that. That's what we need to pray. God alone judges. It's unchristlike. It's unloving. It's unjustified. Now, with that in mind, I want to talk, if you will. We're going to pause for a moment, but I want to talk in a moment when it's wrong to judge. Okay? And we're going to do it in question form. But up until this point, what's going through your mind? First thing that comes to my mind is, well, that's not me. I don't do it as bad as they do. <laughs> I, find, I just judged. <laughs> you, know, kind of thing. I, you know, I think it's interesting that um, it comes in so subtle ways for me. Because I've been trying to say, God, show me the areas in my life that I look at people the way you look at them, or I'm not looking the way you look at them. And man, it's little ways. I, I think back in growing to school, I loved the curve in grade school or in school because I mean, so I, okay, I can fit in the middle kind of thing, and I'm always comparing myself. Well, the reality is God doesn't judge according to a curve. It's one standard, and I don't live up to that standard. So I'm not any better than anybody else, but I find myself doing it, just little subtle ways on a continual basis. Things are not always as they seem. So it's a precursor, uh, judging someone is a precursor of being wrong because we're not in a position to judge. So. I just view it as something that we just shouldn't do, but it's hard to overcome that because we are only drawn by what we see. We always use our senses first. We look at something and then we assess the situation. So it's hard to tell someone not to think because if you don't think, you don't do uh, accordingly. But you know, we just have to be careful as to our judgment on others. It reminded me of, <clears throat> as you shared, uh, of what I read today from my scripture reading in um, Acts 23. And if I can just go, just share, because I don't want to mess it up. Um, Paul was before the Sanhedrin and he said, my brothers, I fulfilled my duty to God in all good conscience to this day. At this, the high priest Ananias ordered those standing near Paul to strike him on the mouth. Then Paul said to him, God will strike you, you whitewashed wall. You sit there to judge me according to the law, yet you yourself violate the law 
by commanding that I be struck. And those who were standing there, Paul said, you dared to insult God's high priest? And Paul replied, brothers, I did not realize that he was the high priest, for it is written, do not speak evil about the ruler of your people, which is in Exodus. Oh my gosh, when you, you spoke about that of judging, that's what made me just jump in my mind of, I read that today of, we do the same in our world. We speak ill of our leaders who are put in place, God's word says. He puts those in judgment seats or rulers of authority are placed there by him. So that made me exactly just go to that. Like, oh my gosh, the word is so good. It's so alive because it's today. It's what we're doing as people every day, even to our rulers here in the United States and around the world. Well, I want to, again, by question form, I want to talk about uh, when it's wrong to judge. And I want to get personal here. So we're going to look at several. Here's the first one. It is wrong to judge. We need to ask ourselves, am I doing the same thing? Am I doing the same thing uh, of which I'm judging? See, that's what we need to start with. This is why Paul tells us to check our heart first. What does the Bible say? We've all sinned. We've all fallen short. And the moment that we judge, are we not, if you were, separating ourselves? As if somehow we're not as bad? At least we wouldn't do that. I don't know if you remember the story of the woman who was caught in adultery. Do you remember what Jesus said to those who wanted to stone her? You who are without sin, cast the first stone. And do you know what the Bible says? Starting with the older, maybe the wiser, they began to drop their stones until everyone had walked away. It's an amazing moment, isn't it? Listen to what Paul wrote the church in Rome. He said, at whatever point you judge others, you condemn yourself. And then he adds, especially if you're doing the same thing. When is it wrong to judge? Well, you need to ask yourself, am I doing the same thing? Have I done the same thing? That, that's what we get understanding, isn't it? But how quickly are we to judge as if we've never been there? Isn't that true? I, I think if I could just huge something that happens all the time is behind the wheel of a car. Isn't it amazing? Someone cuts us off. Now, I like to be Christ-like and use like a simple word, like the word, you idiot, okay? Um, and as if, as if, you ready for this? As if I've never cut someone off. Isn't it amazing how everybody else, by the way, just to help you out, uh, you watching as well, is one of the things that's really helped helped me with my driving is to realize that part of the reason God has me on planet earth is to show everybody else how. And the moment I recognize that as part of my purpose, it, is, it has brought so much peace and relief. You can use that as well if you'd like. But isn't it true? We need to ask ourselves, am I doing the same thing? Have I done the same thing? What's going through your mind? I think a big part for me that like lights start flashing, it's when you think at the end of the day, it's all the same at the end of the day. So it's not like this one is greater than that one. Or when it comes to that judging, you might be comparing yourself or comparing what they've done. But at the end of the day, in God's eyes, it's all going to be the same thing if it was a sin or if it wasn't. So it doesn't really matter to have that comparison or create that judgment in the first place. I think when Jesus talked and said, you know, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not, he said, but I say to you, and then he went to the next level. Because sometimes I find in my own heart, I look at someone and I go, oh, I can't believe they, 
for example, cheated on their spouse. Wait, wait, Jesus says, hang on, hang on. Have you ever looked at somebody? You have too. Or I've never stole, wait, have you ever stole time from an employer? You have too. And when you say, you know, have I done the same thing? Yes, I have. I absolutely have, maybe not in that exact thing, but I have, according to my heart. Well, here's, here's the second one. So we first need to ask ourselves, am I doing the same thing? Correct? Here's the second one. Am I blind to my own faults? In other words, can others speak into my life the way that I want to judge and to speak into someone else's life? You follow that? It's so much easier to be on one side of the coin, isn't it? But we need to ask ourselves, am I blind? Are there things that I need to take a look at in my own life? Jesus said what in Matthew 7? Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and yet pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? What's the point here? Always start with yourself. Always start with yourself before you ever look elsewhere. I heard someone once say this to me. They said this, be very careful when it comes to judgment because if you were in their shoes, you might do the same thing. Who's to know? We don't know the entire story when someone does what they do. Whether it's wrong or right, there's always more of the backstory, isn't there? Let's, let's just jump to another one. It's wrong to judge, and here's the personal. Am I making my conclusion based on outward appearance? Now, I don't know if you know this or not. Studies actually tell us that we tend to make judgments of people in the first 15 seconds when we meet them. Think about that. We haven't even taken a moment to even get to know them. But in 15 seconds, we've already determined what we think, and most of it's based on the way they appear. Wow. And yet, what does the Bible say in 1 Samuel? People look at the outside of a person, but the Lord looks at the heart. The Lord looks at the heart. Let me share a story with you. This comes from a book called Illustrations of Bible Truth. It's written by H.A. Ironside. He tells of a story when Bishop Potter was sailing to Europe. Now, I want to emphasize that Bishop Potter. This is a supposedly godly man, okay, a leader in the church. So he's sailing on a boat to Europe. When he goes aboard the ship, he finds his accommodations only to discover that another passenger was going to share the room with him. Immediately, Bisha Potter goes to the purser's deck and inquires if he can leave all of his valuables in the ship's safe. He explains to the, port, to the purser, I've never done this before. But after being in my room and noticing the appearance of the man who's going to occupy it with me, I'm afraid he just might not be trustworthy. The purser takes his valuables and remarks, It's all right, Bishop. I understand clearly. The other man in your room, he's already been up here. He too left his valuables with us as well. <laughs> what comes around goes around, isn't it? But how many times have we made a judgment? Not willing to look at the speck in our own eye, and yet how quickly we're willing to look at the log, so judge them by the way they, by the way they appear. Talk to me. What's going through your mind? Being one of the uh, care pastors here at the church, it is in those visits I have with people, and I tell them all the time, you bless me 
because I can't rightfully tell you or give you help with what's going on in your world if I don't look at myself before I say it. Or if I say it, I can't expect you to abide by it if I'm not doing it myself. So I don't want the words to ring hollow. So I want them to know, gosh, I'm sharing that with you because I need to improve that myself because this is something you need, but I can't, I can't get that advice if I'm not doing the things myself. So it keeps me humble, which is a good thing. Yeah, very true. Everything starts from, from within. Um, <clears throat> like you said, God cares about our heart. Things that are outward that we look at, um, that just doesn't tell the state of being of a person, of a relationship, of, of, of a community. Um, you have to look deeper than that because people can be rotting inside. Um, things might not be taken care of. Just because they're taking care of the outward appearance doesn't mean they, they take care of their values. They, care, they, care of, um, they take care of their, the things that they do on a daily basis. So to me, I've just made sure, especially this year specifically, that I'm selfish in a, in a, in a sense um, in order to be selfless because I have to focus on myself. And the only person that can help me with myself is God. And that means that I have to do due diligence in doing as God wants me to do. Going through the 15 seconds and then going back to what we were talking about earlier, the idea of like slander what it means now, it used to mean the devil. I had making a note for like, that there's so much disguise. So if the devil has so much disguise at all times and we make a judgment within 15 seconds, we haven't got to that point to even get past the devil when it comes to certain people or talking with people or meeting with people. So it's just that idea. And then you look in the world nowadays, I mean, there's so much different stuff and so much crazy things going on and all those types of things. And a lot of it happens at that 15 second window versus okay, let's take it to the next level and actually get to know somebody and develop some relationships to have an impact in what's going on in the world. Wow. Just looking at my own life, I'm thinking my life was, was um, um, it was broken. It was broken. It was, um, I was, I was, there was a lot of things that I was doing that was just not godly. And so if you look at that, what someone sees is not the same thing as what you are. And so, yes, I've changed now, but there's no way someone could tell just based on appearance, what you've gone through in your life, all the things that you've been through. So if you can just look at yourself and see, well, how much have you changed in your life? Think of what that means in volumes with other people that you're talking to amongst, you know. When I think of both of these, am I blind to my own fault? And then it's based on our appearance. I think of people who've gone through celebrate recovery, gone through addiction and haven't been through that. We look at the outward addictions as, oh, that's bad. But then the inner addictions that everybody has, whether that's our inner thought processes or gossip or, you know, different things that, well, that's not as bad as the reality is. It's addiction is an addiction, but because it's not seen on the outward, it's not as bad. No, it's, it's my own fault. I have the same thing. We all have addictions that we run to at different points in times. We don't want to acknowledge that. Am I doing the same thing? Am I blind to my own faults? Am I making my conclusions based upon outward appearance? Here's another. Have I taken time to hear all the facts? Now, I wanna be brief here at this one, but we've all heard that there's two sides to every story. Well, actually, that's not true. There's actually three, did you know that? According to the Bible, there are three sides to every story. There's your side, there's their side, 
And then there's God's side. And here's what I want to help you with. And I want to be very, very clearly when I, clear when I say this. It's the latter one, God's side, that's the only side that matters. Because here's the deal. Even after I get all the facts, only God has all the facts. Because there's no way anytime I'm interacting with anyone, even including my spouse, because there's so many years before I ever met her, that's all part of her. And there's no way in a lifetime I'm ever going to get to know all those little details. I'm going to do everything I can because that's what love does. But it's God who knows. It's God who loves. And when it comes down to the side of any story, it's what God knows. That's why the Bible says he's the judge. Let's just leave it in God's hands. So have I taken the time to hear the facts? Here's another. Am I speaking harmful or helpful? I want to help you with this one. Am I speaking harmful or helpful? In other words, how do I talk about them when I'm around others? See, Paul tells us in Ephesians 4, he says this, When you talk, do not say harmful things, but say what people need, words that will help others become stronger. See, when I talk about others, specifically behind their back, now, we use that as a derogatory statement, but the fact of the matter is, we do talk about other people, true? If they're not there, they're not present in the room. I'm not saying that's wrong. Here is what I am saying. When I do talk about others, of what they do and why they do it, watch this very carefully. Do my words have the possibility of swaying those I'm talking to or tainting the reputation of the one I'm talking about. Because I know a lot of Christians who like to talk and they like to hide behind prayer requests, but what they're really doing is trying to gather sides, if you will, gather support. So when I'm talking about others, do my words have the possibility of swaying them to my opinion or tainting the one I'm talking about. If they do, I want to be very clear here, okay? I am completely wrong and I have sinned before Almighty God. I am completely wrong and I have sinned before Almighty God 100% of the time. You see, we should hate gossip. By the way, the Bible says that those who gossip will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. And you know why we should hate it? Because in Proverbs 6, the Bible says God hates it. God hates it. When my words, be very, it's very important you catch this, when my words condemn here, and, and I'm going to say something that some people are going to be shocked at what I'm going to say, but I'm going to show you what the Bible says. When my words condemn here, when they're criticized here, every time I'm condemning here, and I'm criticized here. I want you to listen to what Jesus said. He says, words are powerful. You take them serious. Words can be your salvation. Words can also be your damnation. That's in the Bible in Matthew 12. It's so important we catch this. Are my words harmful? Are they helpful? 
that will help us on why we should not judge. Here's the final one that I want to get to. And then we're going to talk about, about how do we break the habit, okay? It's wrong to judge when I question someone's motives. It is wrong to make a judgment when I question someone's motives. You know, I read a story about a group of young men. This, this is the most amazing story. It's going to be a painful story when you hear it. I, I can't even believe it that, that this even played out, but watch what, it, what, what happened. It's about a group of young men who decided to play a practical joke on a young bachelor executive who worked with them in Dallas, Texas. Unbelievable story. It was the custom each Thanksgiving for the president of the firm to give free turkeys to all the employees. The young executive, being a young bachelor, wasn't thrilled by the gesture, for he had no idea what he would do with a whole turkey. Furthermore, he hated cooking, and everyone knew this. So his friends confiscated his turkey and replaced it with one that was made out of paper mache. The only remains of the original bird were the neck and the tail. You got this picture now? Unaware of the switch, the young executive tucked the bogus bird, bird under his arm and headed for home. As he was waiting for the subway, a man seated himself on a bench next to him. Since the turkey became a point of conversation, they soon were engaged in conversation, talking. In the course of it, the young man learned that his companion was without a job and down on his luck. He learned that Thanksgiving was not going to be a very happy holiday. He discovered that all the man had was a few pounds of hamburger for the entire meal. The young executive had a brilliant idea. He swapped his turkey for the man's hamburger. The man was overwhelmed with generosity. Imagine now when he removed the wrappings of the bogus bird and his children crowding around wide-eyed with anticipation. When the young executive learned what his, friend had done, what his friends had done, he searched for days for the man, but he never found him. I'm sure to this day that incident stands out in the man's mind as an example of one's inhumane exchange. Yet from the young man's point of view, his motives were pure. Have you ever heard these words? Always be careful, there's more to every story. Can you imagine that? Wanting to do something nice. His friends thinking this would be funny, having no idea how it's gonna play out. And imagine that home on Thanksgiving. And all he knows is that a young executive took advantage of him. See, this is important stuff. That's why Paul writes, Judge nothing before the appointed time. He, God, will bring to light what is hidden in the darkness, and he will expose the motives of a person's heart. So how do we break this habit? How do we break this habit? And I don't want you to miss these because these are so important as we've talked about why we shouldn't and when it's wrong to judge, asking those personal questions but I want to give you three things that, that James tells us, if you will, and I don't want you to miss these, okay? And why this is so important. How do we break the habit? Well, here's the first one. We will all be judged by the same standard by which we judge. 
This, this ought alone ought to help us break the habit. And yet, you know what saddens my heart and it breaks so much? I think so few of God's people get this. It's like they don't even understand it. Jesus himself said, do not judge others. Those are the words of Jesus. He says this, for God will judge you in the same way you judge others. He goes on to say, he will apply to you the same rules you apply to others. You know, I think of the story of two Scotchmen. They migrated to California. They came over and wanted to be in the United States and they're in California. And they wanted to have some reminder of their homeland. So one of them took with him a thistle. Which you'd be like, why would he do that? We hate thistles. But in Scotland, okay, it's the national emblem. So he wanted to bring it. The other took a swarm of honeybees. Years went by. And over time, guess what? Their fields were cursed with thistle. But the forests and the fields were laden with honey. Now, here's the deal. Little did they think of what would grow out of their selections, whether good or bad. What seemed to be a simple, meaningful act had incredibly long-term consequences, whether good or bad. And I contend judging others as the same. Why we need to get over it. What did Paul say? You will reap what you every time. Every time. And I'm amazed how much this happens in the church. People make statements all the time, you know, and without sounding defensive. And, and if you're watching, people do that of me all the time. They've never pastored. They have no idea. They don't know what I know, but boy, they make assumption. They do the same thing read to you. They do to other people in the congregation. They look across and they wonder where so-and-so is. They've heard stories, but got, didn't get all the facts, made a statement, and the Bible says this, I will apply that to you as you apply that to others. What's going through your mind in that one? So I wrote down, like, you're going to be judged by how you judge others. And I literally wrote, like, I got, I'm not going to judge anybody, right? The idea of if that's the direction you can go, then that's how you're going to be judged in the end. And then I put underneath that, like, when you think about, like you're saying, this is coming directly out of the Bible, this is where it's coming from, it's like the Bible set is there to set you up for success. So if it's saying you're going to be judged by how you judge other people, it's like if you just read the Bible, you're going to have that same thought process. Like you said, it's so easily overlooked. But if you stay connected to the Word and you continue to teach yourself and you continue to learn and be a student, like it almost like jumps off the paper, like, hey, you're sitting here judging somebody. Do you know the same is going to come back to you in the end? So go back to the beginning and like try it again. You know what I mean? Well, like Reed said earlier, that sometimes it just comes out so easily. So if you could just say, you know, Lord, convict me every time I do that and then make it right in my heart. So that, you know. I appreciate using the word habits because it's really what it is. And how do you break a habit? You form a new habit. <laughs> and one of the success habits of anybody who's successful is they always start with the end in mind, which says if it's a financial thing, okay, this money here, if I do it with this or this, where will it end up long term? Man, if I can move to the point that before I say something, before it comes out, if I hang on a second, I want to be judged for this. <laughs> if I could get into that habit, 
that would change a lot of sometimes what I say. One thing that spoke out to me, or that stood out to me throughout my life was something that my dad had said, which was, he was talking about giving counsel. And he was saying that it's best to be silent and, and to, to assess everything before you speak. Um, he was talking, I can't remember specifically how he put it, but it was almost like just taking in that information and speaking very succinctly and with your words being few, that carries more weight than just speaking volumes. And God's words were few. Jesus's words were few. And, but every single thing that he said is applicable to all of our lives and is very powerful. So when we are prompted to judge, we might just be better off being still and just resting in that to understand what, is ne what needs to be said and what does not need to be said. We will all be judged by the same standard by which we judge. Here's number two. Why and, or how can we break this habit? We're all accountable to God. Romans 14 says this, every one of us then will have to give an account of themselves to God. So then let us stop judging one another. There is a day, and we better get this straight. We're all going to stand before God. Every person, the Bible says, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess. So here's the question. If you were to die right now, how would God judge you? There's a thought. Matthew 12 says it this way. I tell you this, Jesus speaking, you must give an account on judgment day for every idle word you spoke. Wow. Here's what I know, people. God will be honest. God will be fair. And God will be truthful. That I do know. But I have to say this, but he will settle every score. God doesn't have amnesia. Thank God for grace, but you have to want that grace. You have to confess those sins. God didn't just forget. Because for God to do that, he has to disvalue another creation. He can't do that. So please hear this, people. See, God will judge me as he judges the others that I've been judging. But may we never forget this. He loves them as much as he loves me. And he died for them as much as he died for me. We're all accountable to God. Here's number three. And finally, never forget how God has been merciful to you. So we, all, we will all be judged by the same standard. We're all accountable to God. But we can never forget. We want to break this habit? Man, never forget how much God has been merciful. He sure has to me. How about you? Wow, he's been awful good to me. He's been awful kind, you know? See, the fact is none of us deserve God's mercy. We all deserve God's wrath. And yet it's crazy because what concerns me is it seems that few even get this. They really don't even grasp this. Just watch how they interact with others. Watch how they talk about others. 
Watch how they do life with others, especially those who are different or those who do not agree with them or those who disregard their faith. How quickly we make judgments, we forget the mercy. You know, I I love something my dad always said. He said, you know, in ministry, Keith, uh, be very careful because in everything you preach, you could be wrong. (laughs) I mean, I think I know. But the word of God is powerful. It's amazing. I I hope the Spirit's speaking. Uh, We're all in trouble. (laughs) But you know what the Bible says? James speaking in chapter 2, he says this, Mercy always triumphs over judgment. Mercy. But boy, we can forget that, can't we? I I heard this story I think will really help with that. It's like the boss who decides to give his employees a $350 Christmas bonus. That's a pretty good deal. Everybody's grateful. Everybody's excited. The second year, he decides to do it again. But by the third year, he decides, nah, not this year. Now people are upset. But why? Because here's the reality. What was once a generous gift has now become their selfish expectation. And I think we do that with God's mercy. We forget over time as if somehow God owes us his mercy. And what he owes us is, is wrath. But it's because of his great love for us that he gave us Jesus. Man, may we, may we never forget that. What's going through your mind as we're wrapping this up? Our memories are not as long as what we think that they are. Um, we seem to forget things a lot. It doesn't mean it's not there. It's that we are only reminded of what we've forgotten when we repeat that same thing that we forgot the first time. And then, you know, it'll take a period of time before that occurs again. I know that when we're talking about judging, we're talking about being quick and how not to, like, in in order to not judge, you'd have to measure things with time. Um, We were always taught to give and receive. But no one ever taught us the order of that. And when she was speaking on on how timing can be a factor, I started realizing we need to receive before we give. If you give anything to some, if you give someone something to somebody, and when you have not, if you have nothing to give, you're giving empty things to someone or something that is not really, um, it's not tangibly as as um, as powerful as, as something that should be given to somebody. It's best for us to receive. And who better to receive something from than God? And so if we receive wisdom and we receive understanding, which is also perspective, when we receive that, that's the, that from that moment, then we're now full and ready to give. And I think that we just have to give pause. For me, it's... it's um you know, I have a strange life verse, I guess, when people want to ask, what's your life verse? You know, For me, it's in Luke um, 23. And when you, when you mention mercy triumphs over judgment, it's, um, I'll just read it. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him and said, don't you fear God since you are under the same sentence? We are punished justly, justly, for we are getting 
what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, I tell you the truth. Today you'll be with me in paradise. That is mercy. Triumph over in judgment. And Jesus can do that. And he did that for him. And that man understood. I'm getting what I deserve. And Jesus said, I can give it to you, the life that you want. So when I read that, to me, it's, it's just me, but it's the greatest prayer that, that is ever prayed because we all want and desire to be where that man is now. You talked earlier about the power of God's word. And the, for me, it's the importance of getting to God's word every day because we like to choose sides. And unfortunately, what I do is I say, okay, God, it's me and you against them. And everybody else is on that side, and I'm on this side with God. Well, the reality is this, no, no, no. God's aside. I'm a part of humanity. I'm over here, and I'm separated from him. And so when I start off in God's word every day, and the reason I have to is because it reminds me over again that without God, I have no hope. <laughs> I, I, am, I desperately need God today in my life. And once that happens, okay, I, I can now hopefully look at others with mercy because I understand how much mercy has been given to me and I need it. It's all the facts, just like you mentioned last week. There's only one sale. There's only one price tag and it's God's. It's God's deal. There is no other deal. So it's very true. But I love the fact that um, when we do fail, because we do, um, there's a verse in Lamentations that says his mercies are made new every morning. So we've failed and we come to him in the morning, we say, okay, Lord, it's new today. I'm going to need you today, you know? So I love that verse. I hope this series has just been awesome for you as you're deepening and developing your faith. I mean, that's what it's all about, that our roots would go down into God's word, his truth, and that this relationship that we have would just be so mature. And that then by doing that, it would be lived out in our world around us. You know, judging is a big deal. It happens more often than we may want to admit, and it might even happen unconsciously as we just kind of develop some habits. But God can help us break this, and that we can love people the way He loves us. And so I just want to pray for you and believing that God's going to do some amazing things. Father, I thank you so much for having a conversation like this. Lord, I've been guilty. I think all of us would admit to that and have. We've judged unfairly. We know what it's like to be unchristlike and unloving, uh, Lord, and that what we're doing is unjustified. There's only one righteous judge, that is you. God, we've all fallen short. We've all made mistakes. But I'm so grateful for the words that Sherry just, just mentioned. Your mercies are new. Today is a new day. And right now, God, we can confess those moments where we have judged wrongly. God, that we've tried to be you in our world around us, and there's only one you, and it's not me. But God, today I can confess those sins, and the Bible is crystal clear that you will forgive and you will cleanse. And we can live a new life right now, loving the people around us, everyone we encounter, Lord, the way that you do. So God, help us in the power of your Spirit to change this inside of us, to deepen our faith, to develop it in such a way that we would stop trying to be what only you can be and do. We ask it in Jesus' name, amen.
Well, thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past messages. And if you like what you're hearing, consider rating it and even sharing it with your friends. It helps so much. You know, you can click the share button, take a screenshot and share it on your social stories and tag us at Celebrate Church. For more content from Celebrate and to connect with us, go to celebrate.church. We love you and we believe in you. God bless. God bless.